Welcome to the Conversations with Reinforced Engineers podcast, India's first podcast for and by civil engineers. Join us on our journey to simplify and bring you experiences straight from the industry. This is your host ES Krishnaram along with co-host Padmadeep Joshi and Gogulji Kumar. So, let's jump right into it. Welcome guys back to yet another episode of Conversations with Reinforced Engineers. Hope you found the previous episode on investing interesting and was helpful to you. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on any of the platform that you are hearing us on. So, coming to today's episode, you might have already seen the title. It is about disaster management. Padmadeep had already conducted a LinkedIn poll where he asked our audience about what the next episode should be on. And about 22 people out of the 55 votes that were casted asked for a topic disaster management though it was not the first option we decided to take up this topic on disaster management currently because of the current scenario around the world there are multiple examples of disasters both man made and natural around the world that are happening currently and we feel that this is the apt time to discuss this topic so pd what were your thoughts when we are taking up this topic on disaster management and why do you think that this is the apt time to discuss something like this krishna so when we talk about disaster management there are three to four different aspects one is the response for the disaster one is the preparedness for the disaster and one is how you cope up with the disaster so uh, if i if i talk about myself in 2001 we have experienced earthquake in gujarat so that was a very uh, shaking experience for me you experienced kerala floods and recently you also experienced a crest that is a main med event uh, as part of the as part as disaster goes on so we have been surrounded by the disaster either it can be natural or man made but somehow we are still relying with the back data we are still relying with the event to occur and then look for the solutions so my intention was to understand how as a professional how as a pro- project management professional or construction management professional we can have a second look on some of the aspects and work on a positive note so if you have to talk about a few of the examples we have heard of the diseases which have been very badly affected to human kind and even to the environment like ebola zika virus even even the dengue flu initially and forest fires are also one one, one aspect of the disaster as well uh, you might have heard of the recent oil spill in mauritius that is massive and that is very deadly for the oceanic life and even even for the very small country who is relying on the tourism so if we see around our world the climate change is real but still we are using polythenes in our daily life so why why we can't be prepared from a individual point of view and not only from the government uh, policy, political aspect so that was the overall agenda for today's discussion and we are very concerned with what is happening around the world we are totally shocked with what happened with the kerala recent ex- uh, accident the uh, air clash so some of the major concerns we currently see is assam has been flooded every year we still don't have answer for that even the landslides in northern states or or you take example of kerala recently they are facing major issues there the landslides the flood they they have been experiencing in the last year even this year and the main made incident which has shook the entire world that is the plane crash that is that is very uh, which some someone cannot process very easily 
so uh, pd coming back to one of the statements you just made because i guess when coming uh, when speaking about disaster management that holds very true you just mentioned that uh, we take it on a case by case basis because it is true that people are not expecting something to happen but they'll hmm. be in a like a flight or fight response when it happens right so kerala we had the first major flood in say past 100 years back in 2018 in 2019 also we had experienced something uh, not that drastic as far as 2018 was concerned but on a similar line in 2020 also i guess we'll be having some sort of flooding and even see uh, some part of kerala in the middle of kerala and northern part of kerala is already experiencing floods at some level but the thing is that we were not prepared like we know that okay if it is going to rain on a higher than average case we are we might experience flood but still we were not prepared i guess this is holding true for other scenarios as well why is that happening see somewhere if you see uh, when you talk about disaster management it is about strategical planning and to define the procedure to fight such natural or man made events right but when we are like drafting this uh, current scenarios we are not taking anything which is out of the human control something like floods see uh, you cannot control some of the aspects which is been taking place in a very massive massive scale like floods or you talk about massive forest fires that cannot be controlled but there is to be some measures which we which we as a humans can take care of like uh, at the time of forest fire we can at least try to uh, locate the uh, wildlife in the forest with help of geotags or we can at, at least have a backup plan to evacuate them uh, from from the place so i think we should always have a plan with us and we should not always surrender to to the global countries like what mauritius is trying to do currently like uh, dropping their weapons and raising the alarm that we are helpless that doesn't make any sense i think they were aware that there is a vessel in in the periphery so there has to be some preparedness uh, if something something like happens i personally feel like that what is your thoughts gokul True, PD. What you have said is absolutely correct because we can't blame nature every time any uh, natural calamity occurs. As a human being, we are also a part of that. The Kerala flood, you have said uh, rightly that it has happened due to some natural reasons. But I believe that there are also some of the major reasons, man-made reasons behind that. As Krishna told, uh, the Kerala floods was uh, really unpredictable because. Uh, this much of rainfall uh, in a quick succession which was not at all predicted by even the government or any other intelligent agency but it came we witnessed that so why it happened there are several reasons for that so some of them are uh, i would say there was a dam mismanagement because uh, people people or the government of kerala was never expecting this un, uh, unpredictable rainfall for this year 2018 so what happened was uh, the dams were full uh, and uh, they were expecting rains in august but they were not expecting this much of rainfall so they never thought of emptying or keeping a, a buffer for this water to come so there was no buffer for water to enter as a result as a result two third of the dams in kerala they were opened at that time it was the first time when this happened in kerala so it was really alarming even for the government and the people Uh, all over the state so this was one of the reason i would say because uh, when a state which is having 53 large dams and when it's two third of the dams are getting opened 
so you can understand the situation what what would have happened with the people or what the government feels at that time and the other reason i would feel is there was a gargill report in 2011 gargill is an ecologist and he is a famous professor he gave a report on western guards and most of the governments in this states of western guards they ignored it in that he has correctly mentioned he classified the zones as uh, ecologically sensitive zones and in that also he classified it as ecological sensitive zone 1 2 and 3 so in the zone 1 uh, he said that it is highly sensitive there should be no dams uh, constructed in this zone there should be no mining activities and he even said that it should be a no go area means no one should go there and it should be specially protected because there exist special habitats geological foundations different biodiversity in that area so this report which stated western ghat as a highly sensitive area then also majority of the government they ignored it and uh, some construction activities i am not seeing lot of constructions are happening happening in hilly area but whatever is happening it's not well planned these are all natural beauties what we have got so if we if we'll not take care of this natural beauty in that way we are definitely going to get setbacks so the thing is we should keep the balance of the nature there should be economical as well as ecological balance in the nature <laughs> gokul you i think you unintentionally mentioned about the uh, environmental balance and the ecological thing krishna we also seen a recent article on eia from you so can you link some of the aspects over here true actually even i was planning to uh, interlink the both at some time in the discussion because see ultimately both have a very positive correlation right because see if you are not doing proper uh, research as to where you should be conducting or where where you should be building a dam or a road project or any kind of project main issue is that kerala on one side we have this western ghats and that takes a huge uh, area of kerala right it is not something like we can avoid hilly regions entirely and there are risks see eia is mostly for say big projects but say if you are planning to construct a home or a house at the base of a hill you have to have some kind of a say permission or a clearance that says that okay this house is not constructed on a landslide prone area because uh, i guess three or four days back we had a huge landslide i guess one of the biggest in kerala's history uh, and the death toll is somewhere around 45 to 50 and the reason is that there were uh, set human settlements in a landslide landslide prone area right so even true, for true. residential projects there has to be some kind of clearances that ensure that such dwellings are not coming up in very sensitive areas so one very interesting thing uh, highlighted by gokul uh, by um, which which he mentioned previously is kerala has more than 53 reservoirs right that is correct gokul yes 53 large dams are there okay but uh, when you talk about the drainage system or the water waterway in the city areas uh, i am trying to correlate with the engineering aspect now we still have this tendency to go with the optimized design right so if i if i talk of uh, gujarat scenario basically from my city rajkot when you see the drainage lines you, even with a very small range uh, the lines get choked up the entire lines get choked up Uh, maybe it is because of the lack of maintenance before the before the monsoon like we call it a pre monsoon activities or maybe because they are not designed to cater the current requirements 
So like suppose say, the required flow is of 6 MLD and the design is uh, done with a slope of 2 MLD. It doesn't make any sense. It cannot uh, like accommodate the flow of water uh, which you are going to get with the rains. So I think it is one of the failure as well over there. So it's not always about the natural keramatis, but somewhere even the engineering has failed to address these aspects. See, PD, coming to the case of Kerala, see how the situation is that we have Western Guards on one side and we have Arabian Sea on one side, right? See, what used to happen was that when it rains very extensively, we used to get pretty good amount of rain in the Western Guards. And the natural topography is such that uh, the Western Guards are obviously at a higher altitude. The water used to flow from the uh, hilly area down through the populated area and then on to the Arabian Sea ultimately. See, we have 44 rivers in such a narrow strip of land and 41 of them are flowing from the guards to the sea, right? But what happened is that, see, we Kerala are very, what do you say, there is huge scarcity for land. And especially it is very natural for civilizations to grow up around the banks of rivers, right? So that is what happened to us also. We developed hugely around the banks of such rivers and what happens when it rains these rivers tend to overflow so dwellings around the banks of these river are the most affected right so there was need for some kind of planning as to uh, allowing buildings or even residential buildings to come up in, in the banks of both the sides of the river and to add to the problem as already mentioned by google what happens is that our dams are getting filled at a fast rate. So there is a requirement to open these dams. So that is bringing in additional water to these rivers, right? So the issue is that the most affected are those on the banks of these rivers. So PD, I, I know that you are much into this urban landscape or uh, to <laughs> design the urban sprawl. So how do you think we, we should have tackled this situation? See, it's a very complicated thing actually uh, when, when you talk about like states with heavy rainfalls every year the design is not the aspect the aspect is how you handle the water resource so if you talk about one disaster response uh, from from my side i would say linking your water resources with the other state that's the most uh, what you call optimal solution you can think about because see there is constant flow of water uh, at your end, like uh, in the Kerala. Every year you are experiencing uh, floods or, or some sort of uh, like uh, heavy rainfall, right? So uh, even India was planning to link uh, their major water resource with the other states. Like currently, uh, we are sharing Narmada with three three different states, Madhya Pradesh, Gujarat, and Maharashtra, in, in some of the cities and some of the villages. So if that is happening throughout India, if you are able to like uh, get the pipeline which can supply uh, water to other states uh, which which still have requirement like uh, to the nearby sta state like Tamil Nadu, that that would be like efficient way to deal with the problem. But to enhance the capacity, it doesn't make any sense for the states like Kerala because you already have like 53 reserves. That's a huge number. So that means there is a water and there is a plenty amount of rainfall but i think this is one of the things you can look for pda agree with you but the drainage infrastructure of a city is also an important factor so in most of the cities in kerala or in our country 
if there is even a low rainfall the drainage system gets choked so as a result the road get flooded up with water my point of view is we should give a lot more importance to the effective drainage system for a city yeah that is very correct uh, gokul that is what i was trying to highlight in in the first first place as well so i think drainage is not only the issue for the kerala it is the issue for the entire nation i would say yes, yes. <laughs> because we are still because we are still looking for the optimized design and when you look for the optimized design you have to like give some some opportunity for the other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's why assam is still suffering with the heavy rains i i don't pretty i, I would still, uh, pretty yeah. i'm having a doubt at this stage see when you are uh, building drainage infrastructure and stuff like that are you building for the optimized case or are you building it for the worst case scenario see uh, looking at the current situations if you if you talk about 40 50 years back we always have to uh, look for the usual scenario but now we are very uncertain uh, if you talk about covid 19 pandemic we never thought about it but now uh, the new reports new contract documents new construction projects would definitely consider this so this is a very correct time to consider the worst case scenario over over the very usual sort of scenario like the same way we uh, go for high flood levels when we design a reservoir or when we design a flyover so why can't we consider those things when we are designing a small smaller aspects like a drainage line or a water supply line so i think we we have to change the uh, scenario we have been looking for so i think we have to go with the worst case scenario and uh, one more thing is we have seen in chennai floods we have uh, seen in kerala floods what is happening is uh, the conversion of agricultural land to non agricultural land this thing is happening a lot because uh, it's not in kerala itself it's happening in the whole country when development is coming we are we don't have land to develop basically so what we are doing is we are converting our agricultural land to non agriculture and we are constructing upon it the natural flow of river which is coming it is obstructed and it, it don't have a path to go to ocean so when there is no path for it definitely it will take away water whatever things what we have constructed over its path this thing is happened in most of the cities when most of the flooded cities in india yes correct correct gopal so now i want to highlight one important thing when it comes to disaster disaster preparedness uh you keralians are very good at this like i have seen uh last year also like during the floods uh, we uh, gathered all, all essential products even from pune and we send in huge numbers e- even even during the plane crash i hope uh, such incidents never happen one, uh, ever again but even during that plane crash i i read the read the news that many people were standing in line the entire night just to donate bloods to the people who required it so what is your take on that like should should each and every citizen of india should take such uh, measures to like help our country true pd what you have heard is absolutely correct uh, we have faced a lot of situations first it, uh, first it was 2018 floods then in 2019 there was also floods then uh, in 2019 itself there was nipa virus situation so in every situation the volunteers of our uh, of our state they have stood up to their expectation and they have done a lot for the people who were suffering and uh, i'll say hats off to them because uh, as you have told this uh, malappuram karipur airport incident happened people were standing in queue to donate blood even at um, after midnight and all so it's their dedication it's their dedication now it's i believe that it's in their blood that some some situation is going to happen and they are the warriors and they have to carry out all the uh, all the rescue works and all so hats off to them 
Correct, correct. So, Krishna, when we look at the image from the plane crash, it was a very sad moment for all of us. Me and Gokul were discussing that there was some issue with the lighting. And after a day, the report was published that they were working on it, on it and there were some allegations in the past as well. So, what is your take on that? What could have been done? The peculiarity of the airport at uh, Karipur is that obviously you guys must know by now that it is a tabletop runway, right? So actually, mm-hmm. I guess it was somewhere uh, somewhere around 10 years back, we had a similar accident back in Mangalore airport. That was also a tabletop runway and a flight had uh, shoot past the runway and fell down and a big disaster happened. So it was at that time, there was a report saying that even Karipur was at risk of uh, some accident of that sort. And there were some remedial measures that were suggested. But the issue is that on implementing that remedial measures, you would be facing some some maintenance cost on an yearly basis. And they ruled out that because that was not feasible from a financial standpoint. But ultimately, we had to pay the price for that with human lives. I guess there was need for some very proactive measures to avoid the incident in the first place. So coming to the question on the lighting system at the airport, I guess we might not be the expert to comment on that. Because, see, we don't know what happened there at that night, right? So, I guess I'll leave that question unanswered. Yes, true, Krishna. So, I think we still have to wait for the reports and then we can talk about it. So, I have a very funny story now to say. <laughs> uh, back, back in 2001, we experienced an earthquake in Gujarat. Uh, it was a 26th gen. So, I was at home sleeping in my bed. And I had this habit of like falling from my bed. So it was a of 6.9 Richter scala. So like mm-hmm. the first first shock was very massive. I fell from my bed and then I was like, oh, this is nothing. This is very obvious with me. So I again jumped onto my bed and then something fell from my like right right side wall. Then like entire family ran out ran out of the home, and that that incident was very massive. So one very great thing learned by Gujarat was we. After after 2001 incident, we started building our high-rise, uh, which is resistant to the earthquake. So every time, why we we need a disaster or why we need some very setback to start looking at a positive side. See, earthquake was not something like which cannot be predicted or which cannot be entirely not considered. So why we still have, had to wait till 2001 to like start implementing it? That is a big question over here. PD, I also have a similar story which I have witnessed. I have also witnessed an earthquake in my childhood days. Don't was... say even you fell from the bed. Huh? <laughs> no, no, I won't <laughs> say the same story, but I have a different story. So it was in 2005, uh, the Jammu and Kashmir earthquake. My father was in army and he was posted in Jammu. We also went with him there. So one morning, uh, around 10, 10, I guess, I was doing some work. It was a holiday. My mother was in kitchen. Some initial uh, tremors happened, but I didn't get it basically. But my mother, she uh, she heard some uh, voices or uh, some of the utensils falling from the slab or something. When we see that initial tremors, we are not able to recognize it whether it's an earthquake or not. But later on, but <laughs> after that, two three utensils fall. Then she rushed uh, with us, like me and my sister were there. My father was not there because he was on duty. She took both of us, and uh, we went to an open ground. So it was a really panic situation. All of them came out and they were praying, like praying to God that uh, just save us from this situation. After some time, the tremors were cooled down. The epicenter was not near our place. That's why we were saved. 
otherwise uh, the building would have fallen the whole night we slept outside our houses that day it was that tragic we were too much scared of that after that earthquake that, that is very scary earthquakes are always scary so when we are talking of uh, natural earthquakes how can we miss about the artificial earthquakes i think krishna already <laughs> got a cue about lebanon i'm talking about lebanon it's a massive strike they recently witnessed the entire world has been shocked with the event so spd uh, i still remember when the first video of those explosions coming out i, I actually thought it was some kind of a, a terrorist attack but then it was later found that they were uh, storing huge amount of uh, chemicals that too in hugely populated areas and we know what happened later on there right there was huge amount of destruction people their lives have been affected thousands of uh, people injured lot of people dead buildings homes businesses all shattered but why did it happen in the first place that is a question see the uh, authorities that are concerned with this they already knew that because those chemicals thousands of tons of chemicals were sitting there for past 6 7 years so it was like a disaster waiting to happen but yet they did not take an action they could have done something to dispose those chemical or at least move them to a less populated area why do you think something like that sat there for years pd see i i still can't process that there were more than 2600 tons of ammonia nitrate in in a warehouse stored on a port so like i was just looking for the analogies uh, to correlate with the Uh, engineering sector the amount of ammonia ammonia nitrous uh, stored over there if it blast it could have like accounted somewhere around 33 cubic meter of hard rock breaking that is the amount of ammonia nitrous was stored there it it, it it could have break 33 cubic meter of rock so that's a ma- massive thing and if you look at the story the shipment was stored at the port back in 2013 i guess by one of the russian uh, cpr so the story is very interesting actually the the initial shipment uh, the owner of the shipment got bankrupt and then it was started at the port then the port decided to took care of it because it is a like huge explosive substance so they keep it at the warehouse warehouse one of the warehouse and it was there since now, since then so after that they could have taken some measures because it was like very close to the city area so what went wrong i think we still have to look at it but it was there since 2013 that that is one of the very like surprising element over here and pd what even more surprising yeah pd but what scares me even more is that the people living around that port had no idea that something like that was there right so what scares I me they, i think they, they they would be aware aware of it because it was there since 2013 and there were the uh, uh, i think even there were some allegations on the uh, shipments no like, but uh, the uh, people... see uh, from the administrative standpoint it is true that some people might be aware of what is happening but i am saying yeah, about yeah. the normal residents common, common yeah. people they might not be aware of something like that on such a huge scale being stored there right so what scares me is that see i don't know if there is something like that that is stored near my house like say 5 10 kilometers from me so is there something that can be done regarding that see if you talk about disaster response what uh, government of hyderabad is currently doing it's a beautiful job 
after this incident they directly took the decision to shift some of the ammonia nitrate to chennai with a small small uh, uh, like package in a in a container of 10 so i think that can that could be one of the way of dealing with the problem so i was re- uh, referring to few of the articles for today's discussion and i came across this one article from the chemical professor from us uh, she was discussing about the uh, importance of ammonia nitrate and she quoted like this that we wouldn't have this modern world without explosives because we are using it for breaking the uh, uh, rocks to make tunnels or we are using it as a fertilizer that is the biggest advantage uh, we have encountered in the farming farming industry so it is very difficult to live with ammonia nitrate but it is always good to put a good amount of attention towards it and how we can take care of such a explosive material so i think that is the uh, broken point which uh, the government couldn't uh, took care of and that's why we are witnessing this that the entire government has resigned So pd but the see uh, the current example about lebanon we are speaking about ammonium nitrate but that is just an example right because see uh, at the union carbide factory it was methyl isocyanate and uh, at the vizac plant it was another chemical so it is hmm. not about pinpointing a specific chemical and just bringing out a framework for that but i guess we have to have a entire framework for how we treat all these chemicals or uh, how these industrial areas are being set up at residential places or like next to residential areas what is your take on that because it is never about a single element or a single chemical right true krishna see in usual conditions uh, when you are dealing with such uh, explosive elements or material you have to be very sure when you are taking it around the residential area there is a uh, set amount of guidelines there is set amount of procedures that you need to follow so when you are doing a tunneling work if if you talk about a tunneling work basically uh, you have to clear the nearby area at least 50 meter radius uh, in in the area you are working so but that is a very small amount we are talking about it is not even 1 ton of ammonia nitrate this was massive to to more than 2600 so i don't think we have any guideline for this thing <laughs> you, you have to you have to segregate it you have to distribute it you have to come to a conclusion i am very sure that it, uh, the shipment was not supposed to halt at Le- at lebanon's land it, it was supposed to go somewhere else but they encountered this situation what took them more than 5 years to take a decision and it is, but, it, it has caused lives of many yeah but pd uh, i believe there are safety norms for uh, storing of ammonium nitrate because it's a deadly explosive for any incident uh, to happen like is uh, a fire fire to happen there should be two things a fuel and an initiator so the fuel was stored uh, which was 6 to 7 years in the port and uh, the initiator which, uh, which came in the form of firecrackers right so before happening of this type of uh, disaster it's not a single day event or it's, a, it's not a single day effect i believe it will give you symptoms like what our rcc slabs give us right it will start with a small crack then after that there will be uh, coming out of plaster then reinforcement will corrode then the whole thing will come down so it will give you symptoms if we neglect that symptoms so we are the one or not we not the person who handles that but the person who are living around the, uh, around that thing will also get affected the same thing happened with bhopal also as krishna mentioned the same thing that uh, methyl isocyanate the gas that thing happened uh, in the same way because it also gave some early symptoms there was leak when uh, the people were checking or the 
cleaning staff were cleaning at the night but they did not notice that much because uh, they thought it's just a this just a common phenomenon they can mend it tomorrow the next day but what happened was uh, at the night at 12 the pressure go, uh, rise up the temperature rise up and this gas suddenly uh, it got leaked from the whole union carbide factory so the people who were sleeping around that factory they were innocent they were not knowing about all these things the people uh, who were there in the union carbide factory they tried to control that explosion and they tried to pour water on that but they were not successful in that and they did not inform the fire safety department till their uh, failure attempts so after 230 only they started uh, informing the fire safety department or other authorities and they that rang that final siren for the people at 230 but at that time it was uh, too much uh, it flown to people and the people were losing their life uh, there itself so it has caused a great 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 disaster in bhopal i agree with you gokul but uh, this this part of the story is more from the uh, disaster response but when you talk of preparedness i think somewhere the owner of the uh, bhopal uh, this thing factory was uh, like responsible for the event he was sub- he was like about to file a bankruptcy he was about to run out from the business so he started cutting employees uh, for doing the work he, he started playing around with the political games like he he wanted to create some some sort of scene with the factory just to set a example in front of government and ask them to like uh, put some money money in the business back so i think because of the lack of employees and even because of the lack of uh checklist they were following i think it was mo- uh, more of a uh, irresponsible behavior from the employees and uh, the entire incident occurred so it was not only because of the uh, some failure from the machine part but it, it was also for uh, from the man made aspects as well so so what is your take on that gokul do you agree with me yes pd i agree with you because uh, i told you about the early warnings which the system gave uh, to the company True. so there were leaks True. there were leaks but uh, they uh, the the management itself was not ready to clear all those problems what happened on that night was when the workers was trying to uh, implement that safety norms there were three safety systems to block that leakage of the gas but all the three failed but how can we believe that see all the three systems failed it's just pure management from the management side it's true it's true that what you had said so pd uh, let's take a fresh perspective on uh, preparedness especially during times of disaster all the discussion that we had were around basically from a common man's perspective what is happening to him how can he be prepared let's take the construction industry see because uh, even when floods happened in kerala there were a lot of construction projects that were going on and were affected badly due to the flood pretty how do you think a project or a company can prepare itself for an impending disaster see when you talk about construction projects glad- gladly we have this safety department to take care of all these drills so i'll take one example to uh, highlight some of the issues uh, during our intensive days Uh, back in Ahmedabad, I was working with the Metro Rail project. So we are witnessing a uh, cyclone. Uh, I think back in June 2019, uh, it was Cyclone Vayu. They named it as a Vayu. So as part of preparedness, uh, my project site was working uh, in the soft area that is un- uh, 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 that is in the tunnel tunnel works, and there were some on ground works as well. 
so on the ground surface there were big big cranes working on the site and uh, under under the ground there were a uh, tunnel boring machines working so they prepared a three days plan uh, for the for the preparedness so in that in in that aspect they lowered all the equipment which was about 3 to 4 meters they tidied up they ensured that everything is rigid and firm that nothing can be harmed they asked all the uh, operators to uh, rest in the in the labor colony make sure that they are taking care of their families and friends even they sort the entire operation in the tunnel tunnel section so the guidelines were very clear from the safety department that's how they were able to cope up to the entire situation luckily there were no uh, there were no effects of, of vibe uh, at the particular location i, I would say the entire amdavad was very safe there were few uh, distri distribution on the south southern part of gujarat but this is one of the aspects to look at so like we have studied this thing uh, pdca cycle plan do check and act so for disaster preparedness yeah. we can we can also look at this thing as well so see we can always predict that something is going to happen we cannot predict the exact thing but we always have past data to cope up to the other thing so one thing which i learned from this project is if you are uh, going to witness uh, some event like cyclone you always first take care of the assets you have with you your equipments and your employees so they took care of both of them they try to uh, avoid all major uh, activities going to happen within the 3 days of time so i think this is one very important step any construction site can take and rest is just like how the nature would take care of us <laughs> pretty it is true that uh, the specific company took care of what needed to be taken care of but the see these incidents of cranes falling down are becoming a frequent mess right so how do you think something like a crane accident could have been avoided at that place see dismantling and uh, keeping them on site uh during the risky days is an option but do you think companies are willing to do that uh, that's again a very political question <laughs> but uh, see when you talk about such events i think we discussed this uh, in our episode 2 when we were talking about uh, technology there are some simulating tools nowadays available in the market i think the, those packages is a bliss for any company you can actually visualize the scenario even even if you say okay i today i have wind speed which is higher than the usual, uh, usual speed uh, experience in a particular location you can simulate the data you can try to understand the way the uh, original uh, tower crane would respond uh, in such weather conditions so i think those kind of simulation tools like cyber physical system or if you talk about so it is very important to assess like what is the uh, impact on your project once you assess it you evaluate how you can reduce reduce the impact what what is the most of affected parameters like if you have your equipments uh, like tower cranes or heavy crawler cranes roaming around or if you have tunnel boring washing and you are about to witness a heavy earthquake you have to always take care of those things second biggest asset is your employees so you take care of them you ask them to take safety precautions now uh, move on to this uh, safer places uh, avoid coming to work for a day or two and you also keep a contingency fund for such events it's not like that uh, today something happened on my project and i'm uh, running out of the uh, uh, entire cash which i have allocated to the project 
so it has to be on 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 a very guided path so it is like plan do check and act <laughs> that's all from my side google But do you have anything to add uh, regarding the disaster management aspect especially for construction projects so if we talk about construction industry and the disaster management the first thing which comes in my mind is murphy's law that is anything that can go wrong will definitely go wrong so it applies to a construction site also we have to be prepared for everything or every situation otherwise it will affect your business as well as your valuable employees i believe that there should be a team which should be responsible for pre- preparation of plans regarding the disaster management there should be a checklist that is preparedness checklist uh, that what all things have to be done uh, if something happens and you should have to analyze the data first because when you are going to construct a, a building or any project on that place the team should analyze the previous data whether there was a situation of heavy rainfall or any uh, or is it an earthquake prone area so all these things have to be analyzed uh, in the planning phase itself so that will give you an upper hand uh, in, in terms of risk management the second thing is you have to train your valuable employees because they are not prepared for this situation uh, it's all new for them so just have a basic idea what all things uh, have to be done because as pd told here that uh, when he was in internship all these things happened and there the employees have managed it uh, in a better way but in all the construction sites it it's not the situation so it's one of the important thing which has to be implemented and there should be mock drills like if the situation happens and what all things have to be done on site and what are the assembling point where if if an earthquake uh, occurs where you should assemble the assembling point you should it should be specified so all these things are very much important i guess so guys i believe we had a very fruitful discussion pd definitely started with uh, some of the basic understandings of how disaster management uh, preparedness and mitigation and uh, post disaster management as well then we went on to share our experiences about uh, some of the experiences that we had with kerala floods landslides and uh, cyclone uh, that pd had experienced during his internship days then we even shared some examples from a global scale that was the recent lebanon explosion then the mauritius oil spill then we came back to the construction industry we were discussing about the impact of uh, disasters and the need for disaster management and preparedness especially for construction projects and uh, again we had some very interesting examples related to tower cranes and uh, other equipments and even employees i guess we had a fruitful discussion and uh, we'll be calling it a day today thank you guys for listening thank you for tuning into this week's episode of conversations with reinforced engineers podcast hope you found value in the discussion and do tune in for next episodes and in case if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for updates on future episodes thank you once again and have a great day